Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Did you know that over 95% of all businesses fail within the first 10 years? By listening in to what Bob's guests have to say, plus direction from Bob Pritchard himself, it's our intention that you won't be among those statistics. Now, here's your host, Bob Pritchard. Hello, world. Welcome to the 323rd episode of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show on Voice America Business Channel, broadcasting in this eighth year from our studios on Hollywood Boulevard in Hollywood, California, where entertainment meets technology. Now, firstly, I'd like to wish all of our listeners throughout the world, and we're listened to in about 65 countries, and also the one point. 7 million readers of my 32nd daily business newsletter. I want to wish you a very happy, healthy and prosperous new year. You know, I'm really excited about 2018. I think that it's going to be a sensational year, despite the uneven changes in the tax code, which I think will give a fillip to the economy, but not going to do much for a lot of people. And the one great thing about America, though, among a host of great things, is that this is one country where you can be anything or you can achieve anything you desire if you're prepared to go and work for it. I know people that haven't had a pot to piss in who six months later are doing really well and making a fair bit of money. So if you're prepared to go for it, you're prepared to focus and you're prepared to work hard, then you can be successful, you know. It's about working hard. There's three keys to being successful. The first one is to work hard. The second one is to work hard. And the third one is to work hard. And if you do that, you'll succeed. So I hope you all had a fantastic new year. At midnight, New Year's Eve, Margie and I were sitting in our hot tub in the Hollywood Hills, looking out over all the west side of Los Angeles, the fireworks and the searchlights, drinking champagne and on television watching the ball drop in New York. And feeling pretty sorry for everybody who was stuck in the snow and the sub-zero temperatures back east. We were a nice sort of 55, 60 degrees. We switched between Anderson Cooper and Ryan Seacrest. Both very different shows, but equally entertaining. This is my first show for 2018, obviously, having been on air since 2011. So this is coming into my eighth year on Voice America Business Channel. And we were reflecting last week about the extraordinary changes that have taken place over the past eight years of this show, from self-driving cars to Hyperloop, from Airbnb and Uber to cryptocurrency. Now, speaking of crypto, it took a major hit over Christmas. I mean, our portfolio fell about 25%, which explains why we were drinking champagne in the pool. But it's now recovered. And we're looking at a terrific year, I think, for cryptocurrency in 2018. Now, I'm not necessarily talking about Bitcoin, although I am confident that if you've got into Bitcoin right now, you'd double your money in the next couple of months. So for those of you who get my newsletter, I got a great response to this. I'm going to start this program off with 24 predictions for 2018. We are very bullish about 2018 and we think it's going to be a fantastic year for business, particularly for entrepreneurs. And there are 24 major changes we believe will take place this year 
many of which have the potential to change the world. The first one is the economy has got to be nearing its tipping point. We're eight years after the end of the last Great Recession. The US economy is still growing, making this recovery one of the longest on record. 2018, you know, runs in cycles of about seven years. So we're way past the cycle, the end of the usual end of the cycle. And uh, 2018 is going to bring us a lot closer to an economic tipping point. And I believe that the nature of the tip and the implication will depend on politics. And I think that's pretty hard to predict this year. We don't know whether the Trump uh, government is going to continue to make changes that are going to be good for the economy or whether that will stall. Then we've got an election at the end of the year. Who knows what the hell will happen then? And so a lot of what's going to happen is up in the air. If you're a TV fan, TV is going to become even more niche with the advent of Netflix, Amazon, Hulu, Apple TV and the rest of them. Television is going to become even more fragmented. You know, for those of you who can remember back 10 or 12 years, you had programs that could dominate the ratings and get humongous audiences. That's all gone because there's so much competition now. You've only got to drive down Sunset Strip which is just below where I live, or we live, and uh, the billboards where they used to be Paramount, Warner Brothers, etc., Disney, are now all Hulu, Netflix, Amazon, all of those pro uh, programming. So the power of the networks is going to continue to diminish, and as a result, there's not going to be any more big standout TV shows or series. It's going to become niche watching. I mean, my son never watches um, free-to-air television, just doesn't watch it. He watches Hulu or Netflix, and uh, so that's going to continue to grow, particularly among the younger generation. The big social change, of course, later the, the later part of last year was the Me Too um, movement, and that's going to create significant social change. In 2018, women are not going to shrug off inappropriate behaviour. They're going to speak up. They're going to amplify each other. They're going to push forward. They're going to achieve change. And that change is going to cause a big ruckus right through the community. And I think um, initially it may affect, I know a lot of people um, now are wary about uh, how many women they employ and what sort of men they employ. And it, it's going to be an interesting time, but there's no question that's going to change, and that's certainly for the better. Change number four is that short-term and contract work is going to get volatile. You know, companies, more and more people are using contractors, um, companies such as Uber and Airbnb, and, you know, they're not making a profit. And uh, they're going to be pressured to make a profit. And particularly if they go to IPO, they're going to have to make a profit. And that profit's got to come from somewhere. And it's not going to come from fares because of the competition. So for drivers and hosts and people who deliver groceries and deliver meals and all those people who depend on these sorts of platforms, it's probably going to mean more work and lower pay. In the marketing area, which of course is my specialty, marketers are going to swap social media celebrities 
you know, the days of a celebrity standing up and saying, you know, I use Colgate toothpaste and look at my fantastic teeth, is over. Um, people now are aware that uh, celebrities get paid to say these things, so it doesn't have that much authenticity, where real people and real examples who have really lost weight and have really achieved something from their involvement with the brand, they're going to become much more influential. You know, an influencer is a celebrity who gets paid. People aren't stupid. They know somebody's getting paid for saying, you know, this is a great product. But a champion is someone who's an average person, just like you and me, who really, really, really likes a brand and is prepared to push it. Number six, gene editing techniques moved to reality about uh, 12 months ago or so. Uh, I invested in a, a um, technology known as CRISPR Technologies, C-R-I-S-P-R, and, you know, I'm no expert in, um, in investments, so don't take any notice of me. Take what I say with a grain of salt, but I believe that um, CRISPR Technologies is going to be an incredible investment, and it's a process where they edit the genes so they can modify human DNA using a technology known as CRISPR, and that's becoming more and more advanced very quickly. And they're now able to um, modify and edit protein as well. So that's going to continue to escalate this, and it's going to have huge beneficial consequences when it comes to fighting disease and removing congenital problems. Number seven that's going to have a big influence, of course, is Bitcoin. Now, for those of you who bought Bitcoin a year ago, it was less than $1,000. It went up to nearly $19,000. And economists are in two minds. Will it crash in 2018 or will it totally change the way we regard currency. My belief is that it is going to change the way we regard currency. And uh, the, when I last looked, it increased, uh, Bitcoin had increased $1,500 today. So I'm with the people who believe that Bitcoin is going hasn't started yet. I think Bitcoin has got a huge way to go. And I know people are sceptical about that. But um, either they're going to end up broke or I'm going to end up broke, one of us, but uh, I think it's going to work. This year, I believe, number eight, I believe there's going to be a lot of mergers and acquisitions um, because companies are flush with money. There's these big corporate tax cuts. The economy is going to boom, at least for the first half of this year, and uh, that'll provide the money and the resources for companies to get bigger. And the biggest areas that this is going to affect, I think, are Retail, let's face it, retail the way it is now is fucked. You know, if you're in if you're in the mall business, you're just asking for trouble. I mean, all of those anchor stores are all going to fold. Then what do you put in them? You know, people are now changing them into apartments and, you know, healthcare centres and regional health centres. And so that's got a real problem. Healthcare... Uh, healthcare's got to become more efficient. The costs have got to be controlled, and that's going to happen through mergers and acquisitions. And, of course, entertainment with the old established players 
um, losing their grip and the younger technology players becoming more and more successful, I think entertainment's going to change dramatically with a lot of the um, Silicon Valley companies merging or taking over the old-style studios and television networks. Everything I've seen lately, and there was a great presentation at TED by a young Chinese woman who just who was talking about Chinese retail, and it absolutely blew me away. The Chinese are so far ahead of us, and I'm, Americans don't like to admit it, but boy, they are doing some incredible stuff. And while we've become sporadic and polarised and fragmented and we can't get along with our neighbours and... You know, I mean, it's it. My daily newsletter is a, a case in point. Every day I put out a newsletter about business, and I try to be objective. Um, and I really do try to be objective. I try not to take political sides. Occasionally, I might tell a a joke that affects the Democrats, and occasionally, I might tell a joke that affects the Republicans, and. I get abused. I get abused uphill and down dale by these people out there who are so bloody polarised that they can't take information, basic information, and judge it on its merits. You know, they think you're having a go at them. You know, fake news. The only thing that's fake news is the bloody people that's pushing it. How fake can you get? And... You know, the world's been changing for decades and America hasn't changed its system. And I really love this country. I've been here over 30 years and I love it. But the Chinese dream today is a much more real prospect for the average Chinese than the American dream is for the average American. And that's sad to say, but unless we dramatically change the way we think, unless we dramatically change the way we encourage entrepreneurs and development, we're going to continue to decline. Number 12, this is the year that self-driving cars hit the market. Audi's about to release the first commercial vehicle to drive itself while monitoring its surroundings. However, as usual, the bloody lawmakers are going to be years behind and will slow the implementation, and I can't see that changing anytime soon. Housing prices have been are going to be the next problem, problem number 13 or challenge number 13. Housing prices have increased 35% in the last five years. We've made money cheaper and cheaper and cheaper, and at the same time, we've cut off credit to about half of the country. So a larger and larger segment every year are renting. So we're creating a landlord nation where the divide in assets is much wider than the divide in income. And if you own assets, you will get richer. If you don't own assets, you're screwed. Doesn't matter what you do, you can't win. Number 14, this year, artificial intelligence is going to become pervasive. Artificial intelligence next frontier is creativity. It's going to help us learn from our own successful routines and the bots can process it easily. Challenge number 15, companies are going to make big profits. They're going to plough that those profits into stock buybacks and dividends and more robots and more artificial intelligence. And despite what our president says, probably in good faith, the number of jobs in the United States are going to diminish. Certainly good jobs are going to diminish.
Um, challenge number 16 for this year, hospital rooms. With the cut, cutting back of the Affordable Care Act with absolutely nothing to replace it, more people are going to be uninsured. The result's going to be overrun emergency rooms, which is financially devastating for the uninsured and for doctors. I think there's going to be a major stock market sell-off. You know, we've had the second longest bull market in US history. It's going to come to a halt sooner or later, and we'll see a market sell-off, I think, this year of around 25%. But I don't think there'll be a recession because the US economy is just too strong. This year... New leaders are going to take charge on climate change. The government's abdicated any responsibility, so I think um, business leaders and state governments and city governments are going to step up and fill in for the shortcut, shortfall of the US government. Number 19, micro-leases are going to thrive. There's going to be a glut of empty storefronts in malls. Landlords are going to have to rent out store space by the month, by the two months, by the three months. There's going to be pop-up shops everywhere and this will combat sluggish sales in traditional retail. In 2018, job training is a must. People who leave university can no longer rest on their laurels. You're going to have to spend a lot of time continually learning Number 21, a new migration begins, Um, but this time it's explosive growth in places like Denver, Detroit, Houston, Nashville, Pittsburgh, Salt Lake City, Phoenix. Technology companies are going to follow Amazon leads and uh, open major campuses in these smaller cities. Tax reform is going to shake up American demographics as the impact of high state and local taxes will be punitive for residents of most of the coastal cities. The Great American Mall is going to disappear and uh, it'll be embraced, the space will be embraced by grocery stores, gyms, aerobic studios, apartment and services of retail continues to fail. 23, the world's going to run on voice. Um, My Google Home, absolutely love it, talk to it all day. It is going to transform the lives of all Americans. And number 24, there's going to be absolute carnage in the restaurant industry. Much like retail, there's far too many restaurants and the smaller regional restaurant chains will be forced to fail, privatise or or merge. In all, it's going to be a transformative year for the world. I'm running really late. So do you get my 30-second read business newsletter? If you don't, you don't know what you're missing. We have about 1.7 million subscribers and we tackle different subjects every day like Hyperloop, autonomous cars, blockchain, etc., etc. So if you want to be the smartest person on the block or you want to go out to dinner with your boss and impress him on how bloody smart you are, you've got to get my 30-second read daily newsletter. It takes 30 seconds to read it and you will learn one hell of a lot And it is free, absolutely free. So if you don't get it, go to my website, bobpritchard.com, and enrol. Now, my guest today is Siku Andrews. He's a keynote speaker. He uh, helps Fortune 500s with brand marketing. He performs for Barack Obama and Oprah Winfrey and a whole bunch of other people. He is brilliant. He's a storyteller, the world's leading poetic voice.
and I'll be back with my friend Siku after this short break on the Bob Pritchard Radio Show, coming to you this week from Hollywood, California, where technology meets entertainment. Do you want your business to achieve results you never thought possible? Bob Pritchard is recognized as the business leader's advisor and has 30 years of experience as a straight-talking troubleshooter for Fortune 500 companies and SMEs across the world. Whether you need a checkup across all departments of your business or simply want to improve marketing, advertising, performance measurement, or some other area, Bob Pritchard will work his magic so you can blow away your competition. Bob Pritchard is also one of the most in-demand speakers in the world. Over 1,500 clients on five continents and countless standing ovations are a testament to how he changes the fortunes of business. Pick up Bob's new book, Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, at your nearest bookstore or visit Bob's website at www.bobpritchard.com. Remember, if you want to be successful, call Bob Pritchard now. Worldwide phone numbers and more information can be found at bobpritchard.com. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. This is the segment of the show where we interview successful entrepreneurs and people involved in disciplines that can assist us to be more effective in business. We talk to people who have unusual professions people who think outside the box and yet still have something to share with other entrepreneurs who will help us all become a little bit more successful in this fast-paced technology era. Um, The good thing about talking to people who undertake professions that are really outside the box is it, it gives you an indication of the massive variety of professions and vocations out there that can help you make a living and become very successful. You don't all have to be. Um, One of the problems that I've got with the STEM uh, education process that we seem to have at the moment is that it doesn't encourage the arts. In fact, it, it sort of stamps the arts down. You know, you might be brilliant at musician or you might be brilliant at um telling stories or whatever but you really should get a job in a bank because that's safe you know we hear that all the time from people and uh, so it's good to talk to people who are outside those regular professions because the other professions are much more interesting much less competitive and you can do extremely well now my guest today is Siku Andrews And he's a guy that I've seen perform on several occasions, and he is unique and very brilliant. He's a poet, but he's not just one of those garden variety poets. He gives keynotes to leadership conferences. He helps Fortune 500 companies with brand messaging. He's performed for Barack Obama in Oprah Winfrey's backyard, and he's now become the world's leading poetic voice a new type of speaker and artist who seamlessly blends inspirational speaking with spoken word poetry to help organisations tell their most powerful stories. Now, he's presented to 
you name it, he's presented to them. Googles and Nikes and Toyotas and PayPals and Cisco's and everybody. He's been on ABC, MSNBC, HBO, Showtime, MTV and BET. And Forbes.com has called him the de facto poet laureate of corporate America. But not only corporate America, he's also presented privately for people such as Larry King, Quincy Jones, Hillary Clinton, Bono, Maya Angelou and Norman Lear. And he shared the stage with people like Stevie Wonder, Carlos Santana, Jay-Z, Maroon 5 and on and on. Apart from that, he hasn't done anything. <laughs> that is just you think you think about a poet and you don't think of that breadth of unbelievable experience and uh, and positioning do you and as a poetic voice seeker does more than inspire us with his story he inspires us with our story hi seeker welcome to the bob pritchard radio show Wow, that guy sounds interesting. That, you should listen to him. Yeah, that, that guy's really cool. <laughs> he, sound, he sounds very lazy. Like, what is he doing with his life? He needs to do something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's awesome, man. Thanks for that great introduction, Bob. I appreciate it. That's all right. Um, as you can probably gather by now, not only is he confident and have a great story, but he's also got a fantastic speaking voice. I wish I had a speaking <laughs> voice like that. I'd be famous. Um, hey, well, you've got the accent, though. you got the accent. Accents go a long way, too. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've been here 30 years, and I've still got the accent. That's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> Accents are sexy, baby. They're sexy. <laughs> oh, I, hope so. I hope you're right. Um, so what is Poetic Voice, and why has it been so successful in the in the business world, and why do all these superstars want you to come around and talk to them? Sure, yeah, I, you know, poetic voice is I, I call it my, my joyful challenge, and that it's you know it's it's always a challenge trying to put a new language in the world's mouth and on the world's tongue, you know, and create something that doesn't exist. Um, and yet, it's it's a joy because it's it's my baby, it's my creation, and and uh, it's it's very purposeful for me. Uh, poetic voice, you know, like you mentioned, it is really basically the, the simplest way to describe it is uh, that seamless fusion between inspirational speaking and spoken word poetry. Um, you imagine a lot of poets or performers and artists who are also speakers. Their uh, their their speeches tend to be almost like glorified sets where they they perform something and then you applaud and then they you know talk for a while and tell some stories and some anecdotes and they set up the next the next performance and then they perform that and then you applaud and so forth right yeah. um, and you get that rhythm. I wanted to create something that was a seamless experience where you didn't know where the storytelling ends and the the business content begins where you know you think that I'm delivering some of your uh, some of your your inspirational content or your business value and then suddenly you're like wait is he rhyming oh wait we're into a, a, a heightened language poetic piece right now oh wait actually this is this is a personal vulnerable story oh wait now now we're talking about our data but in a way I've never heard it and so it constantly creates this leaning in effect of the audience not being able to get ahead of me because they never know where I'm going and so it creates this sort of delightful artistic experience that yet doesn't sacrifice 
the, uh, the, the, the business value for these organizations, and that's why they call, because they're used to, hey, this is the entertainer that we booked in the entertainment slot, and this is the uh, speaker that we booked in the speaker slot, and they're going, you know, never never shall the two uh, uh, mix, you know, yeah, never right. shall the two meet, you know, yeah. and, um, and I wanted to change that, that paradigm. I wanted to say, you don't have to sacrifice the entertainment and the artistry, which is a powerful uh, medium for delivering this content and creating a human experience. Um, you don't have to sacrifice that, and you don't have to sacrifice the business content. Um, you can actually have the speaker content be delivered through the vehicle of art. When you say that um, you know the audience gets dragged in because they don't know where you're going next, when you're up there, do you know where the hell you're going next? <laughs> that is the magic, my friend. Listen, you know, it's like, it's like, you know, I mean, it's, it's the, it's the thousand hours of, you know, LeBron's training to make him flying through the air look easy to us. And yet, you know, it's incredibly difficult, right? So, um, and so for me, yeah, absolutely. If you think about a poet, you think about someone who is incredibly, uh, fixated on each and every word and syllable, right? We can, we can agonize about whether we should write uh, the word yellow or the word canary for hours. You know what I mean? Like right. that's just yep. the, that's the, that's the angst of the of the poet, right? right. Um, and so all the words are very crafted, and yet I always believe that really good spoken word. And, and the reason why I love the art form of spoken word is because I believe that the word should always live strong on the page, but come to life on the stage. And so it's the come to life part that then creates the appearance of I am just coming up with this. It is flowing off my tongue as effortlessly as if I'm thinking of it in real time. You know, it almost feels like 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 a freestyle rapper or something. You know, yeah. um, and yet that's where the improv skills come in, the theater skills come in, the songwriting skills come in, the performance element that comes into turning my business speech into something that feels like art that's being created right in front of you. Um, half the time, I would say ninety percent of the time, I'm working off a of teleprompter. And yet, probably 90% of the time, the question or the statement that I get most was, how do you memorize all that? And that can be from somebody that was sitting right in front of the teleprompter, but never noticed me look down at it. Never, never, it never felt like I was reading. I actually had someone that didn't book me one time because they said, oh, we don't want a teleprompter speech. We want what we saw at the last conference. And my manager was like, well, what you saw at the last conference was a teleprompter read. <laughs> but again, people are not used to a speaker being able to deliver like a performer, being able to perform a speech, and that's the difference. I saw you probably three years ago, I guess, at Metal for the first time, and I've seen you a couple of times since. I'm not sure how long ago it was, but I must admit, um, when Ken introduced you and said, um, his seeker, the po- the poet, I thought, oh, shit, here we go. Maybe it's, maybe it's time to go to the bathroom and get another cup of coffee. And um, you blew me away. You were just phenomenal. It was nothing like... I'd expect it, and I'm sure that you weren't. There was no teleprompter there. There was you were you were actually doing it um, from memory, and it was brilliant. So um, you don't always need a teleprompter. That's right. No, not at all. I mean, you know, and I always tell people the the there are certain things that I just have committed to memory, but. A lot of speakers can just say, oh, you know, I don't have teleprompter, I'll just show up. Well, a lot of times when you're speaking, it's, it's, there's a lot of winging it. You're just telling the story, you're talking generally about the content. You're not, it's not a word-for-word type of thing. Yeah, Whereas true. with poetry, it's, you know, it's couplets and syllables and symmetry and all these things that you have to sort of respect the integrity of the art form, which I, which I do. I respect spoken word poetry and the techniques, the proficiency of a poet, you know, so it's not just a rant. 
you know, yeah, uh, which sure. people which people think a lot of spoken word is. And yet, at the same time, there are certain things that I do have already committed to memory. And so, when you saw me at Metal, um, yeah, you saw me do something that was committed to memory. Whereas a lot of times, I'm repurposing content and really customizing it for uh, for my my business clients to be able to tell a Nike or a Toyota story in a way that feels very authentic to them. I, you know, people always say an inspirational speaker should be inspiring, and I feel like, you know, yeah, that's the base level. Um, goal for me, the height and the goal, or the, where I'm really popping my collar, if you will, is authenticity. You know, when I can walk off the stage from speaking to cardiologists and they walk up to me and go, "So wait a minute, you're not a doctor." That's when I feel like I achieved my goal. They listen to me as if I was one of them, and you listen differently when you think you're listening to someone from your community. So it's much more powerful, and that's why you get that he tells our story, not just his story. Okay, let's go back quite a few years when you were young um, uh, let's say you're whatever I don't else. know about quite a few I mean what are you trying to say like you know maybe maybe 10 years maybe 8 years when I was young maybe when you were you know 6 or 7 or 8 um, what, what did you know that you wanted to be a poet for at that age yeah, yeah right I woke up and I was like you know what mommy I want to be a a, a a poet laureate of industry. Yeah. No, not at all. When I always joke in my speeches that, uh, you know, I was supposed to be, I, I fell in love with acting and I fell in love with uh, hip hop at the same time in middle school. And so I was going to be Jay-Z and Denzel, you know, okay. the combination deal. I was going to be Jay-Zell, you okay. know, <laughs> and, and so, uh, and so I had big plans that I pursued acting and I pursued hip hop and music and songwriting and production through high school, through college and beyond. And um, as I began to go to open mics to develop um, a, a, a following for my music and to try to yeah. get a record deal, you know, I ended up sort of falling in love with the, the, the people who loved me just for my words. And I didn't have to worry about the beat and the hook and the topic and was it gangster enough and was, it, was I talking about bling enough and all of that. They were just moved by my words. And I found myself really loving that experience. And then the entrepreneur kicked in and said, well, actually, now I'm kind of falling in love with spoken word poetry and I'm getting more excited about being a pioneer of new trails with spoken word poetry than being tossed into the sea of demos and headshots out there trying to chase the existing industries. You probably make a lot more money um, being, <laughs> being in a tight niche than, yeah, you, than right. you can being, you know, swimming in with the sharks and not only a few sharks, but bloody millions of them. And, and you're always seduced by that. You're always seduced by the billions, and yet you look around and you see that you know millions of people are chasing the same crumbs of those billions, whereas with this, I felt like this is a way for me to sort of purposely really create a living being myself um, and crafting that and, and creating a model that other poets and other artists um, and other speakers who, who feel like there should be a way that I can genuinely stand on, my, on a stage and and be myself as a gymnast, or be myself as a mother of nine, or be myself and incorporate all of that into my speaking in a way that feels very authentic without sacrificing my credibility or, or my power as an artist or as a speaker. And, and I wanted to be the model for that with Poetic Voice, as well as with my, you know, with my training of other speakers and helping to bring that out in them. Right. Um, so what makes somebody 
Now, I'm be careful what you say here because I'm a speaker, as you know, and um, <laughs> I hope I hope that when I walk off stage, people are inspired. But what makes somebody an inspiring leader to the audience? If you're sitting down in the audience, what are you looking for in the in the performer or artist? What makes someone an inspiring leader to audiences is that they are just like Bob Pritchard. <laughs> I like that. Is that a door, right? <laughs> no wonder you're successful. Um, <laughs> so I think that, um, honestly, the, if I was going to distill it down to one word, I think that what makes somebody inspiring as a leader to audience is, um, is their humanity. Um, I think that leaders um, and businesses in general, business business leaders and businesses have um, misplaced their value in how they connect with audiences, with customers, with their communities, um, and they've based it off of the, ins- the information and not the inspiration. And I think, um, and we're seeing that change now. You know, I'm working on a book right now that is all about sort of, you know, really how companies are, are uh, returning to harnessing the power of inspiration. And you see that in storytelling, if nothing else. I mean, everybody is trying to become a better storyteller. Ted has blown storytelling up. Companies are hiring storytellers left and right. I, I go into companies and I, um, I get, you know, I have a workshop called Insist on Story that helps companies, you know, like a tech company, like a PayPal or someone to, um, to train their tech sales team to use storytelling more effectively within the world of tech sales, you know, or, right. or uh, nurses or doctors trying to figure out how to become better storytellers for quality care and bedside manner. Everyone is, look, is making that return to storytelling. Well, why? Storytelling is, 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 exper- is experiential. Yeah. And um, and it brings out the human sort of universal threads beneath all of the information, beneath all of the data, right? And that's what we're really making a return to is saying there is value in this inspiration. We have to be able to connect to someone on a human level and allow them to um, share a, a, a universal experience, a common collective experience with us so that we see each other, we see ourselves in each other. And there, that's how we know that we're in the right place, the, whether that's the conference, whether that's the company, whether that's the job, whether that's the partnership, whatever it is, that the me- whatever the message is that we're trying to communicate to that audience, they have to first know, uh, I'm in the right place. I'm listening to the right person. I'm reassured that this is the journey that I'm supposed to be on, and I'm seeing myself up there. That's why I talked earlier about authenticity. When that doctor sees themselves in me, so much to the point that they're confused on whether I'm a poet or a cardiologist, then they listen with their, uh, their, their hearts and their muscles and their minds and their breath and their spirit and their energy. They receive it much more holistically, so they're, they're uplifted and they're inspired, and that makes the, the information stickier and, it, and, and more moving and memorable for them. So I think really um, a leader really allowing themselves to value their humanity and creating human connections and remembering that the best way to connect with a human being is to first be a human being. That sure. makes someone inspiring. I don't think it's possible to listen to this um, to, to this interview and not be expi- inspired and motivated. So um, we've still got a, a lot of, in- of interview to go, but what I'd like you to do, if you're sitting at home, just go onto YouTube and look up Siku, S-E-K-O-U, um, and there are 
I don't know how many, but stacks and stacks of YouTube <laughs> videos. So while, while you're listening to the interview, just get onto YouTube and you'll see, you'll get a much better um, idea of, of what we're talking about. He's, he, the guy is just fucking brilliant. Anyway, <laughs> having said that, what's the one challenge that you think most business leaders have with public speaking, apart from being scared to death to walk on the stage? Um, I feel like a lot of speakers, um, they they think, you know, one of the things that speakers are trying to do most is figure out how to engage an audience. Sure. Right? Um, and so I work with a lot of executives and um, entrepreneurs and and you know authors and folks that 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 either are now catapulted to a place where they're they're used to speaking one to one and now they have to speak one to many. Yes. Um, and that could be because their company's growing and they got to talk to investors or their 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 team and staff is growing and they need to be more inspirational for their for their uh, their bigger team or you know they just launched a book um, whatever it is they want to become a, a thought leader in their industry etc. And um, and they all come saying, oh, I want to be more engaging. I want to be more engaging, right? And they tend to think about engagement as this one big thing that they do. Like, so give me that thing that I can do to be engaging, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, I, and I, so I'm always telling them, you need to, again, so much of what I do when I'm training, um, when I'm training really high-level speakers is to just, it's, it's a matter of undoing the mindset that they have and, and replacing it with a new mindset, right? Um, it's a matter of undoing the speaker mindset and replacing it with a, with a performer's mindset, right? Um, and getting them to think about what a speaker is in a different way. And engagement, I tell them, is not one big act, you know, or one big moment that you create. Engagement is 10, 20, 30 small, uh, incremental, significant moments of leaning in that you create. Right. And you allow those moments to crescendo. And if you think about what leaning is, if you think about what engagement looks like, I mean, if you were to sit, if I told you right now, sit in your chair and, you know, show me the face of engagement or the body position of engagement, you'd probably, you know what, you'd lean forward, right? You'd, yep. you'd, uh, you'd have your eyes wide open, your mouth might be open, you'd have, you know, your face would be lit up, you'd be kind of clenching your seat, like, that's what engagement looks like. And so if you think about um, a presentation, what you want to be doing is, is mastering the energy and the delivery um, of, of your presentation of, of the room to be able to create small moments where they're just leaning in and their eyes get a little bit wider and their mouth gets a little bit wider. And every time they think, think they can check out, every time they think they know where you're going, you do something else that brings them right back, that brings them right back forward, right? And so leaning back looks like I'm checking my Facebook, I'm going to the bathroom, I'm taking a nap, I know where he's going. Leaning, leaning in is, this is crazy. Every time I think I know where he's going, he does something different, he does something to ignite the room, he brings my attention back to him. And you do that in all sorts of ways. You know, it can be um, the way that you inject yourself through space. It can be the way that you use your body to tell a story. I teach a technique called body telling that is um, really using your body like a performer um, to, to create much more of a rock star performance experience on your business stage by, by using, I always say I'm going to introduce speakers to parts of their body that they've never met. 
You know, a lot of speakers have never met their knees. They've never met their elbow. They've never messed up their hair during a presentation. They've never, you know, pointed their toes or squatted or these kinds of things that make for, in, for really engaging storytelling and don't compromise your authority at all. Those are the kinds of things that you should be thinking about. And those are the challenges that a lot of speakers have is that they've been taught. Plant your feet, stand straight up, pull your shoulders back, point to the, point to the audience in these two couple of ways, look above the audience's head, open your hands, that's engagement. And there's an entire dynamic range that they're missing out on, and they wonder why then they, they don't stand out. That sounds like Toastmasters. I've, I've been a um, um, vocal critic of Toastmasters for about 35 years. It teaches people to be robots. I, I'll never forget, I went to a Toastmasters about 30 years ago or something, and uh, the guy who was conducting it said to me, you will never, ever be a speaker. You just don't have what it takes. And now a couple of thousand speeches later to 91 Fortune 500 companies, I figured he was wrong. So. You know, I, I, you know what? Screw that guy. You know what I mean? Exactly. That, you know that, that's the that's the classic that's the classic example of the you know of the person telling of, of the teacher telling someone yeah. what they'll never do. You know what I mean? It's, it's the person that it's the person that didn't sign the Beatles because they said you know guitar music is dead. It's the person that that's told right. you know a, a Steve Jobs or a Bill Gates or whatever. You know you'll never make it because you didn't get an A in computer science or whatever. You know, yeah. like there's always we call them haters, Bob. Okay. The world yeah. is filled with haters, player. Right? Know, and you can't I, let the player haters cut, you know, get you down. And we are the evidence of how wrong they are. Yeah, I think I, I call them dream takers, but I'll, I'll accept haters. There's, there's certainly, <laughs> certainly the world's full of dream takers. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, I think one of the things with, um, with being a good speaker is, firstly, I think, to some degree, you have to be born with um, sort of a natural ability to appear in front of people. Um, but I also think you need to be yourself rather than, you know, sort of focusing on the 10 rules of public speaking. Um, I think, I think you've, got a, you've got a big advantage because I'd much, I'd much rather work, walk on stage with your voice than work on the stage with my voice. Your voice instantly commands attention. And also the way you modulate it instantly commands attention where some funny little guy with an Australian accent, I don't think it works quite so well. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the beauty of it is that, you know, you learn to use what you got. You know, I always tell one of the best pieces of the business advice that I got was from my my very dear friend and, and mentor and colleague, uh, legendary TV filmmaker Norman Lear, right. who uh, I did a voting tour with, along with some other poets and artists. And as we were sitting there just trying to figure out how to inspire youth to vote in a nonpartisan tour and the challenges of all of that, um, and you know what our own relationship to voting was, and he, and he said, you know, well, listen, hang a lantern on it. If you feel like you're struggling with something that, that you know, how are you going to approach this topic or you feel like this is the, this is the challenge that, that could make it all fall apart. Instead of trying to push it into the shadows, hang a lantern on it. You yeah. know, let that be actually what you focus on and what you bring out because more than likely, it's that struggle that will connect most viscerally with your audience. And so always when I'm, when I'm getting people to when I'm getting people to understand how to um, be themselves authentically, people are always trying to figure out how can I just be myself authentically on stage, right? And I get them to think about themselves like an actor. 
Yeah. And to train, again, going back to that performance training, to look at themselves through the lens of an actor playing a role. And you're going to play an Oscar-winning performance of yourself. So now let's study what you do. Let's identify what is unique about you. Right? If Meryl Streep is studying uh, uh, Margaret Thatcher or if Jamie Foxx is studying Ray, Jamie Foxx is not trying to say, that, you know, that, that tick that Ray does with his head when he's, when he's moving it back and forth, uh, that's, that's annoying. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to not do that. No, he says that's Ray. That's what makes Ray. Ray, who he is. And so we're going to figure out a way to bring that out authentically and then make it delicious, make it delightful, make it amazing for the audience, right? And so I always try to encourage speakers to say, if you got the funny voice, if you got the weird laugh, if you have the, 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 uh, the quirky energy on stage or whatever, let's study it, let's observe it, let's remove the, the parts of it that are, that are uh, debilitating towards the effect that you want to have, but then let's, let's own it and let's embrace it and let's make the audience delight in it and let's talk about it and you know if you got an accent or something then make fun make a joke about how no one can understand you and speak say something heavily in that accent and you know what I mean like let's create an, a, a very human experience for the audience to go this person is completely comfortable in who they are and, I, and they love themselves and I love them too and this has been great that's confidence and that's connection so what's the um, most difficult challenge you've had in your career as a poet or speaker or whatever you are <laughs> as a poetic voice bob all right? poetic voice i'm going to need you to practice, voice, practice it sir i'll practice it. um uh so yeah you know there's lots of challenges hell you know trying to figure out what to say on the bob pritchard show could be one of them but if i go back a little further than that um I would say probably it's, I, I get called because of the, the because of the uh, customized nature of my work sometimes, um, when a client is, you know, paying for that extra service where they say, we want you to really create something and craft something beautiful for us with our topic. Well, you know, the topics are not always beautiful and sexy, you know, no, not. Um, it, you know, sometimes it's like, oh, it's, it's, uh, it's, you know, quality care for, uh, you know, for taking, taking care of, of patients who are at the end of life or something where you just go like, well, that's beautiful and emotional. I can do something powerful with that. And then other times it's like waste management, you know, <laughs> you're like, really, really? <laughs> um, and I think one of them was, uh, Mayo Clinic called me, you know, I always talk about this being one of the most difficult jobs that I had. Mayo Clinic called me and said, we want you to help out with our, uh, uh, we want you to help us communicate the message to cardiologists for our blood transfusion conference. And I was like, okay, blood transfusion, all right? And then I thought, okay, well, you know, give blood, give life, right? That's the slogan yeah. for that, that sort of, uh, that's, that's beautiful, give blood, give life, that's sexy. And it was like, no, this is actually the blood transfusion conference where we're trying to get doctors to stop giving excessive blood transfusions because they're killing people due to poor medical error practices. Right. And I was like, oh my God, how do I, and then they're like, now go make that beautiful, go be sexy. You know, <laughs> and I'm like, how do I, how do I do that? And so, you know, one of the things that I, I, I teach people is to, um, one of the ways that can help you stand out. I mean, the standard, the, the standard speaker would think about that and they'd go, okay, great. Here's the data. Here's what you guys need to do. And they would, they would make it a charge. Listen, we have to, you know, people are important and lives are, can be saved and we have to stop doing that. And they would approach it head on. You would see it coming a mile away. The, the whole conference would be about that. So the speaker wouldn't be doing anything else than any other speaker or that the event itself is doing. For me, I'm always looking for the unique approach. 
what is the unique approach that I can take to this material that is completely unexpected for this audience. So that way when I deliver the information that everybody is saying, I'm delivering it through a vehicle, through a voice that is completely unexpected and thus delightful and thus makes you lean in. And for me, you know, the joy of being a poetic voice is that I have poetic devices at my disposal. And so I use the device of personification. And I decided to personify Blood himself holding a press conference for the press to announce that I was firing my managers, looking for new management, and now a free agent. And so I played. I came up there in a red jacket, and I played blood. I had a, I had a, uh, a table set up, right? And I always say, if you're going to create a metaphor in your speech, whatever, go all the way. So I had a red jacket on. I had three doctors that I just met that morning that I, uh, I had as my, my reporters, and I met them, and I gave them their lines, and they agreed to play along with me. And I had them jump up during sections of the speech and shout, blood, blood, blood. And I'd say, next question, how about you, ma'am? And then she would ask me a question that would then be the device to help me further the speech. So if I knew that in the next section of the speech I wanted to deliver information about the statistics of medical errors, I would use her question to say, Blood, well, why have you decided to fire your manager? And that would launch me into, here's here's establishing the problem. And then the next question would be, well, Blood, why have you blah, blah, blah? And that would launch me into talking about the solution. And so I did everything that any other speaker would do. I gave the statistics. I gave the data and the information. I just did it in a voice. And, uh, and, and took an approach that was unique and unexpected and thus delightful. Okay, a couple of, we've only got a couple of minutes, so a couple of minute plug for um, uh, Secret Teacher's Rockstar Secrets through his stage might speaking training. So give us a plug. Ah, the plug. Yeah, so, you know, honestly, I, I, I created a successful speaking career never having been trained as a speaker. Right? I was yep. trained as a performer, and that, that's my secret sauce, and that's what, it, that's what allows me to stand out. And I feel like if you want to stand out in your industry, then you have to learn from outside of your industry. And so basically, I started teaching people how to, uh, teaching people these rock star secrets so they could become more dynamic and powerful speakers. And I've been doing it for a few years, but I've never formally launched a program. And I'm super, super excited right now that I'm finally offering uh, uh, an, an e-course, a five-week uh, e-course that is... Uh, all about teaching you these secrets. And before I even get to that e-course, I thought, well, let me just start pouring into the community. Let me just start letting people know some of these uh, secrets. So if you've heard anything on this on this uh, interview that you think is exciting that can help you to become a more dynamic speaker, that you want to be, become more confident, you want to be more authentic, you want to connect more deeply with your audience. And I don't care if that audience is teleseminars. I don't care if it's main stage keynotes. I don't care if it's the PTA meeting where you want to just, you know, you got to deal with judgmental mothers or whatever, whatever it is, if you want to be mightier on that stage, then I'm going to do a webinar in a few weeks called Rockstar Secrets for Public Speakers, where I'm just going to pour into you and teach you these techniques and let you walk away feeling more powerful as a speaker, help you unlock that 85% of dormant speaking power that's inside of you. So uh, please make sure that you visit the link. We'll have Bob, uh, Bob will have a link for you to click on and um, it can register you for the webinar. It's absolutely free. There'll be two times that you can come and um, just let me come and teach you. Let me pour into you. Let me change your mindset of what you can be as a communicator. Sika, thank you very much for being on the Bob Pritchard Radio Show on Voice America Business. Now, you can connect with Siku by going to Siku, S-E-K-O-U, at Siku, S-E-K-O-U, 
Andrews, A-N-D-R-E-W-S, dot com. That's Seiko at SikuAndrews.com. And you're listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Bob Pritchard Straight Talking, absolutely no bullshit business radio show on Voice America Business Channel. And this the second day of what I'm convinced of will be a fantastic 2018 Uh, Since it's the first show for 2018, I really look forward to all our listeners continuing to make the Bob Pritchard Radio Show the number one business radio show in the world for entrepreneurs. This week, broadcasting from Hollywood Boulevard in Hollywood, California. Now, despite the incredible advances of cryptocurrency and alternative payment systems, cash is still king. Digital payment systems have proliferated in recent years, but the amount of American currency in circulation around the world has grown 87% over the past 10 years. Now, this includes all the hot, cold, hard cash held by banks, businesses, investors, and ordinary people. And we're going to talk about this at some length next week. But, um, you know, there's a lot of division in this country, but there's also an incredible amount of good. The amazing first responders to events of all kinds, the, um, the remarkable work done by people like St Jude Children's Research Hospital, the Shriners and the City of Hope and the extraordinary contributions of people from all works of life featured on CNN's Heroes and the Amazing Rose Parade yesterday. This is an incredible country and it's a wonderful time to be alive and 2018 will be a hugely successful one for anyone who wants to work hard and take a risk. Please don't let the inequities and double talk of Washington upset you. What we've got to do is hold everyone accountable, including yourself. Don't let people get away with um, anything, really. You know, hold, hold people accountable. Don't put up with social injustices. And People only get away with the bullshit they do because we let them. And this year, let's make it a much more equitable place by clamping down on people who do the wrong things. Now, remember, if you're not living on the edge, you're taking up too much space. It's easier and it's much more rewarding to do the impossible than it is to do the ordinary. It's better to aim for the stars and miss than to aim for the gutter and succeed. And too many people aim for the gutter. If you're always trying to be normal, You'll never know how amazing it is not to be normal. So I hope you can join me again next Tuesday when I'll again be broadcasting from Hollywood Boulevard in Hollywood, California. In the meanwhile, please continue to be successful. Push the envelope because the alternative really sucks. This is Bob Pritchard. You've been listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. 
Please join us again next Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until then, enjoy another week of success in your business and your life.